Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today's guest is Kristen Tree. Now, Kristen's path is different than a lot of the guests I've ever had on. In fact, she comes from a background in PR, and I think a lot of us associate PR as this job title that belongs in an agency, or maybe we bring in one person or a small segregated team that's gonna handle PR off to the side. But the reality is, PR is all about communication. It's all about the messaging, and the company she's at, which is Nintex, where she's VP of Corporate Marketing now, looked at it and said, this is someone that, someone who can take on more. And they gave her a whole bunch more responsibility. She oversees brand, PR, AR, customer marketing, digital marketing, design. That's a lot to take on for a company with over 800 employees. Today, you're going to learn about her journey. And she's been overseeing PR at a lot of really impressive companies, companies like DocuSign along the way. You can check it all out on her LinkedIn as I did getting excited for this podcast. When we dig in, we talk about that transition or career, but then we also talk about the lens that it brought for her to be able to approach the pandemic. And the reality for a lot of us is the need to approach our customers in a real relatable way required us letting down our guard, not charging for all of our content with a form, but giving the right free content to get people engaged and really get them to trust us as an organization. And for many of us who have done that, it's allowed us to continue the momentum we may have had at the beginning of the year or recreate it. Kristen's all about creating that momentum. This is a great episode. My sit down with Kristen Tree. Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for finding time to chat with us today. And I am really excited to explore your journey. Today, you are at Nintex and you're heading up quite a few areas of a large marketing team, but your background is very focused on PR, which we don't see a lot. I don't even know if we've had many guests take that path. How did your path unfold? Well, thanks, Randy, for having me. Uh, you're right. My path is a unique one to the marketing uh, leadership position that I have today. My passion is on communications, and I'm one of those unique people that majored in public relations and have done public relations throughout the course of my 25-year or so career. But the foundation that you get by being a public relations practitioner or a strong communicator, I believe, is so critically valuable to marketing, and particularly in these times that we're in today, uh, that are so unique and we're all working remote and the messaging and the way we communicate to people and to our customers is so critically important. And I think that's partially why I've been uh, so successful. So I, I'm really excited to dig into this today because your background obviously means you're bought into the importance of topics like content and communication, like you said. But maybe, we, you know, help me understand why there's this stigma associated sometimes with PR individuals that don't get them to that level. And perhaps one of them that I could think of is that we, we often say it's so hard to prove ROI on PR. 
It is hard to prove ROI and PR. And I think if you think of PR more around reputation management and the opportunity to protect and advance a company, a brand, a person, a product, and the opportunity that that instills in each individual to really take the time and articulate and be thoughtful in how we communicate, again, whether it's a company, a product, a person, there is so much value in clear, consistent, concise communications, particularly in a world where we're being inundated with messaging, emails, Slack, texts, uh, social media feeds. I mean, how do you get your message across? So in these crazy times that we're in, the value of communications is so critically important. So how did you get this shift in your career to happen. So when you when you look at Nintex, you came in there again, focused on PR, but what do you think it was that you did or what was it about the organization that embraced you to take on so many other areas? And, and just for some perspective for, for people listening in, you oversee brand, PR, AR, customer marketing, digital marketing, design. I mean, that's a lot more than just how do we tell a good story to the external world? It, it it really is, and you're right. I I joined Nintex about five and a half years ago, heading up public relations and analyst relations, and with the remit to you know generate more brand awareness for what Nintex uh, offers by getting positive coverage in news outlets and industry analyst reports. But I think my value over time is the importance that I placed on good quality content and also our customers. Nintex is in a great position because we offer technology that helps improve the way people work by helping them improve their business processes, by automating once manual or paper-based things. And in this hybrid world or remote world that we're all operating in, you can imagine paper-based processes uh, don't fly very well uh, because we're all digitally (laughs) uh, working. So I I just think I have... um, been at, at the right place at the right time. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm very committed to the success of our customers and ensuring that we're here to help our customers be successful in these you know, ever-changing times. So within the organization, to get them to give you all this additional responsibility, obviously right time, as you said, but how did you position yourself? How did you go to you know, the CMO, the CEO and say, you know, I'm the right person to give some of these other areas that, as we said, are not traditionally handed over to a PR leader. Well, I, I can tell you, I didn't actually have to go talk to anybody. I've just been very focused on doing great work and driving results consistently quarter over quarter, year over year, and working with my team members in a very collaborative, uh, effective way where we keep our focus on the customer, on our partners. Because if we don't have customers and partners that are using our technology, we're just building product for product's sake and we're not gonna be around very long. So it's truly focused on the basics, doing a great job, working well with others, collaborating. And uh, my good work has just allowed me to take on additional responsibilities and manage more people. So this was a bit of a harder question that I'm, I'm curious about. And I've seen this before with my own teams is you know, when we're bringing in a leader everyone else on the team is very obsessed with who is this leader? How can I learn from them? You know, are you bringing someone who can help me learn customer marketing if I'm a customer marketer or help me learn product marketing if I'm a product marketer? When you 
take on some of these other areas that weren't necessarily part of your journey. How do you guide and mentor some of these individuals on the side of digital marketing or design? I know you have a bit of design background as well, but how do you really give create confidence with those members of your team? Well, first of all, I think it's recognizing the skill sets that the various team members have. The woman who heads up our branding and graphic design, I mean, that is her specialty, and I am by no means a, a graphic artist. But what I am good at is kind of connecting the dots and making sure that we're taking an integrated approach to everything that we're doing in marketing or in communications. And we also have a very learning mindset. I think for me in particular, if I'm not learning and constantly growing and keeping my hands in work, uh, I'm not a, an executive who just delegates and you know attends meetings and does PowerPoint presentations. I really do enjoy working hand in hand uh, with my team members. And I think it's that collaborative learning mindset approach that has helped me be successful, you know, taking on additional responsibilities uh, within our marketing org. What would you say is one of the areas that you, you know, building off this idea of learning, jumping into this VP of a more broad area of marketing, what have you had to go and learn externally, you know, versus, you know, absorb from your team members, absorb from peers, uh, you know, what is an area that you've had to kind of round yourself out in? Well, definitely, uh, I wouldn't say I had a lot of expertise in demand gen coming at marketing from a more PR-centric uh, approach. So learning that whole uh, world has been pretty fascinating. And I'm an avid reader. I, I read all the time. And I love looking at what other people are doing, how they're designing things, how they're marketing things. Because I think we can learn a lot just by reading and absorbing and uh, not thinking we have all the solutions because we don't. Nice. And and on the reading front, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we've got to steal more ideas and, and be willing to do that as leaders. It's it's not on us to reinvent the wheel every day and every week. Are you more of a book person for the, that consumption, blog posts, articles? Like where do you get most of that challenging material? It, it's definitely more online. So news articles, blog posts, social posts. I mean, I absorb stuff every night. I spend time on my phone, which after you know a long day in front of a computer probably isn't the best for the eyes. But what it does do for me, it just reinforces either we're on trend or there's new trends appearing or there's things I haven't considered or to the point you made about reinventing the wheel. I, I couldn't agree more. It's not always about creating the newest shiny object. There are some core basic things that work extraordinarily well. And oftentimes it's just going back to those basics. So now that you've reinvented your career in the last couple of years, and, and not to say that you haven't been working towards this for, for quite some time, but how do you think about you know, that next step for yourself in terms of continuing to develop and what you want to really you know, create as your personal brand, if you will? Yeah, well, for me personally, I just want to be regarded as you know, an ethical, high-integrity marketing professional. You know, I think my core in communications and PR, I really take that reputational element seriously. And so that's really what I'm committed to. And then ensuring that the people that I have the opportunity to work with and who report to me are getting great experiences. They're learning, they're growing in their own careers. Because I actually get much more excited about seeing their career progression uh, than my own at this point. 
That's great. It's such an important way to, to approach your days is thinking about the, the role of your team and how they're progressing. I, I know that creates loyalty and, uh, you know, creates great opportunities for them and you eventually. Uh, this has been great, Chris, and we're going to keep going here, but I want to take a short break before we start talking about buyer journey side of the equation. We'll be right back here on the marketer's journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. Doesn't listening to Kristen make you wonder if we put enough value to PR individuals and PR as an overall strategy? When I was thinking about this, I actually went to the old school definition of PR, which means going to Wikipedia. And here it says, PR is the practice of deliberately managing the release and spread of information between an individual or an organization and the public in order to affect the public perception, right? And this is really all about messaging. This is about us doing everything we're trying to do inside of our organizations, trying to get the right message for what our products are about, what our brand is about, influencing our buyers at every single stage. And when you think about that lens, you think about how great PR communicators are, it makes you wonder why we don't put more of them into the type of responsibility that Kristen has been able to take a hold of. You know, this idea of overseeing brand, the overseeing of analyst relations, which sometimes is more tied to PR in many companies, but that overall digital path really comes down to communicating and influencing perception. And I think Kristen has that skill set. The question is, is there more people in your organization or ones that you could bring in that could help you better connect with your audience and ultimately influence that public perception? So Kristen, I'm curious, as we look at your career coming from this PR lens, as we've outlined, you know, there's this associated approach with content in PR, that content's going to be free. And as if you put out great content, people will search your company, they'll learn about your company, they'll build a relationship. Have you stayed true to that? Or have you been tempted to go more to this pay for content, if you will, not, not in currency, but in contact details and whatnot? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Randy. And with this year and COVID and you know everything kind of being thrown up in the air and upside down, one of the things we've done at Nintex is provide our community with free resources. So from training programs where they can get tuned up and skilled up on all the automation capabilities that we offer to coaching services, you've got a process problem, you need a solution. 
We'll talk to you and we won't charge you. We're here to help you. To even rolling out a really cool um, template gallery on our website where we put common um, programs. For example, how do you onboard an employee when you're all working remote? You know, you can't give them a bunch of paper to sign. So you can automate that process and you can effectively map it out. And so all of these things we've made freely available. And I think what we're seeing is great return on investment by offering these services for free. Our customers are happy. We're getting them skilled up. We're really training them with the resources that they need in order to you know, digitally transform, which we're still all in the midst of doing, unless maybe you're Amazon. <laughs> so, so how do you balance that though with the goals of the demand team that are probably focused on, well, we still have to understand who's clicking on these resources. We want to follow up. We want to nurture them. How do you balance giving away for free and still being able to build proof of marketing influence? Well, you know, another thing we've done a lot more of this year too is uh, webinars, hosting a lot more digital events. And the ones that have been the most successful are not necessarily all about Nintex. It's actually featuring a customer and what they are doing to solve process problems or pains within their organization and how they're automating work. We rolled out a, a series called Workflow Wonders this year where we highlight great people doing great things with great technology. These are really short sessions, about 30 minutes in length, and it's customers talking about what they're doing to help people do better in the workplace. It, it's been really uh, quite rewarding to see. It's really interesting. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we may end up talking off uh, air on this one because I'm in the midst of hiring a new PR firm. And I was interviewing one just last week and they mentioned to me that they're getting so many more bites from actual places they try and place an article where they talk about a case study of their client. And in the past, they could never get those case studies published. But I think, as you said now, people are craving not just the conceptual ideas, but how did people actually execute, right? The, the real practical, real world examples are so valuable. I mean, they're valuable from a marketing demand gen perspective, but they're marketing, they're just valuable to people and companies in general, because it's one thing to say, oh, there's a technology solution out there that can solve your problem. But if you don't know how to get there and you can hear from somebody else who's successfully done it, it's like, ah, oh. Yeah, I agree. I know, I, I get I think, it. I bridging that, you know, I mean, in the past, we've always seen articles written on thought leadership sites that are very framework-based. And then on the other side of that, we've got the ones that are more, here's a technology. It's, it's kind of fusing the two together, as you described it. Yes. In fact, we just did a webinar this week with a forester analyst, and he said a manual process is a theory. If you think about that, you know, paper-based process is a theory. But if you've been able to automate it, then that is a digital process. So there, there's so much about theory versus practicality. And I think from a marketing standpoint, the more you can show your customer base or your prospects the real world use cases and help them in their journeys, it'll, it'll pay back. So you, you just bridged there to an area that I'm curious about and, and one that we hit on in the first section, you own the analyst relations piece. And you know, we talk about content and we often think of content as something that we own. The challenge with 
analysts like Forrester or Gartner is we don't own their content, but we want to kind of lease it, if you will. Yes. How do you find the best tactics to make their content feel like yours? So the things that we've done pretty successfully is we have, you know, there's a million industry analyst firms out there now. It's, it's really all over the place. So it's not participating in all of them, but it's focusing on ones that I believe really understand your business model or the market that you're in. And by participating in their research endeavors, let's take uh, Forrester, for example, they have a process called a Forrester wave. And those are where they uh, analyze a bunch of different vendors in a specific market, rate you on your technology, on your strategy, et cetera. If your company does well in those and you rank as a leader, you typically want to license that reprint and then put that into your demand gen program. You can do um, a webinar with that analyst to have them talk about the research. You can send media uh, their way uh, if they're looking at a specific industry and giving uh, feedback there. So I think there's lots of ways you can take the work that industry analysts are doing to your benefit, but it is a relationship and it's a process. And you won't always have reports where you rank uh, as favorably as your executives would like you to. That's fair. That's great advice. I'm, I'm curious, for you personally, at the level that you're at today, kind of bridging this, this go-to-market strategy we're talking about now and the evolution of your career, you know, who takes the majority of these analyst relation calls? Is this something that's part of your weekly routine or is this something that you delegate or moves up to the CEO level? Yeah, it's a really good question. What we've done pretty successfully is out of corporate marketing, we manage the relationships with the various industry analysts. But when it comes to speaking to them, it is at the executive level. So it may be our CEO, it could be our chief product officer, it could be our chief marketing uh, and strategy officer. And then when it comes to the research uh, requests that they do, those waves, those uh, Gartner Magic Quadrants and the like, that where I've seen the best uh, model is a close partnership with corporate marketing, product marketing, and product management. Because product marketing and product management know the product and work well with the engineering teams and all the you know, nuances. And then corporate marketing can manage the relationship uh, with the various analysts. Absolutely. And for those who have not been through a process like a wave, this is not a walk in the park. This is something you got to put countless hours of preparation. And in the end, you almost don't know until you get the result how you scored. I always say I lose a year off my life every time we have to participate in one of those major uh, analyst evaluations. They are a significant time commitment, and you must take every step of those processes very seriously because the analyst firms do, and you want to show up as well as you possibly can. And one thing that a lot of people don't put uh, effort and energy into on those is identifying customer references who are going to speak well of your technology. That is something you can't uh, minimize. Really identify those customers who are huge advocates for your solutions and your software, and uh, that does help a ton. That's great advice. Yeah, I, I mean, the other bit of, of, of advice that I was given along the way was you're very tempted in these situations to go into the analyst and pitch the way you're used to pitching. Tell the story that you love to tell, but the reality is you have to match it more so to the story they're trying to tell. Absolutely. You know, the that they've got 
for the I think they call them criterion or something of the you know. Some, You're some highlighting thing. a critical point. You don't come in with your marketing speak into those evaluations. Do your due diligence. Read how the analyst writes and how they're reporting on things, and use their own nomenclature in describing your technology and wipe out all the marketing jazz. So you hit on this before, and maybe just to wrap up this this part of the chat, how has the pandemic shifted in your mind the view on PR, on AR, on the areas that you've been able to to really elevate as, as strategic inside of Noontechs? I think, uh, well, already the news media was shrinking. You know, and, and everybody has become a citizen journalist. I mean, with the advent of social media and blogging, it really is a, I, I always say this too, that PR is a pretty thankless profession because oftentimes executives don't understand that you can't just get articles placed exactly how you define your company or your product or your service. It, it really, there's a lot of editorial freeway there. And if you want to get what you want exactly placed, take out an ad. But I think um, for the PR industry in particular, and we touched on this I, a little bit earlier, is stop focusing so much about yourself and you know touting your own horn as a company, as a product, as a service, and put the customer lens on it. What will help companies and organizations and customers solve problems, achieve solutions, and share your knowledge that way through the customer versus yourself? Because those are the stories that are resonating and picking up with people. Absolutely. And, and I think you you nailed it in terms of what this year has pushed us to, to realize is the importance of what customers need right now and responding to them versus focusing on our targets. You know, it's, it's the focus on them that's allowed us to adjust our business models, as you said, with a lot of those resources earlier, or, or pivot in, in other ways to make sure that we're responding in a more empathetic manner uh, with free content. So couldn't agree more with the strategy, Kristen. We're gonna keep you around, if you will, for a couple more minutes after a short break here. We'll hit a little bit on how you're disconnecting amid all of these weird times. The point Kristen just hit on of embracing customer stories has never been more important. In fact, this was something that I did earlier this year, right at the kickoff of the pandemic, was I wanted to understand how our customers were adapting. And I went out and scheduled a number of different chats with customers just to understand the changes that they had to incur. And it allowed us to, first of all, understand how to better position our product, position our messaging. But all of a sudden we had these fascinating stories stories that we were able to take and turn into webinars, turn into case studies, and go and chat with customers who are craving for context of how they could adapt. And I think this is something that we all have to realize is that right now, people are in panic mode. They're in adaptation mode. They're being forced to change their entire playbook. If you have customers who have figured this out, it's a great opportunity for you to provide that as a blueprint for how other customers can do the same. We can learn so much from our peers. We know that, that's why we network. That's your opportunity to create a network with amazing customer stories. All right, Kristen, so we have unpacked your journey through PR to marketing leadership, I'm sure that you know PR itself is 
You know, you don't know what story is going to hit. You always got to be ready. But how do you disconnect, especially in these times? How do you disconnect when we always feel connected? It's a great question. And my savior throughout the course of my life uh, has been exercise. Okay. I, I was an avid runner as a kid and into high school, um, and I've kind of shifted some of that running because you can't run forever into walking and biking and swimming and getting outdoors. The best thing for me is to get outdoors, to see a sunrise, to see a sunset, to hear a bird chirp, to hear the water lap across the beach, get outdoors and exercise. So it's it's interesting as you say that, because I think for a lot of us, we didn't used to do that much in the actual day, right? We got into work around nine or whenever it was, and then we didn't really go outdoors normally until five other than maybe a lunch break. Now people are trying to build in more of this outdoor time. When do you build your outdoor time? Is it more morning or evening or do you, do you find daytime breaks? I can find daytime breaks uh, and if I schedule it right, but I love to start my day by working a little bit, taking a break, getting a walk or a run or, a quick swim if I can, uh, and, and breaking up the day. Because I do find getting away from the computer and having a moment just to think and not think uh, and see things uh, brings better perspective to the work that I have to do every day. Yeah, that's great advice. And it, you know, it, it jives really well with the Nintech story. It's all about workflow, but sometimes we need a break in our workflow, I guess. Uh, Kristen, this has been a great chat. So much great advice. And I think if People are tuning in. They've, they've seen a different path to leadership that, that you've carved for yourself and, and hopefully for others who are tuning in. If you've stumbled upon this podcast for the first time, every week we're chatting with amazing marketing leaders and everyone has a unique story. Tune in on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Maybe Amazon does have a podcast play now and I'm going to feel silly because they do have their, their Amazon music. But until next time, thanks for tuning in. I hope one day you get to share your story here on our podcast. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.